0: Rebecca Lyons is the author of Free Fall to Fly, a breathtaking journey toward a life of meaning, and You Are Free, Be Who You Already Are, which was released February 21st of this year. She's a mother of three, a wife of one, and a dog walker of two living in Nashville, Tennessee. She's an old soul with a contemporary honest voice who puts a new face on the struggles we all face as we seek to live a life of meaning. Through emotive writing and speaking, Rebecca reveals her own battles to overcome anxiety, depression, and consumer impulses. As a self-confessed mess, Rebecca wears her heart on her sleeve, a benefit to friends and readers alike. Hi, I'm Ashton Gustafson, and welcome to Let the Music Play.
1: The thing about being sick is you only see the sickness. You only look inward and see your sickness and your brokenness. But when healing begins and the scales fall, you start to look out and see everyone else.
0: Hey guys, Ashton Gustafsson here and welcome to another episode of Let the Music Play podcast. This is where we chat about What it looks like, what it feels like, and what it means to make music with our lives, our relationships, and our careers. We are joined uh, by a beautiful soul today. She puts incredibly redemptive work into the world. Her name is Rebecca Lyons. She currently hails from Nashville, Tennessee. You may have known her from her book, Free Fall to Fly, A Breathtaking Journey Toward a Life of Meaning. And her latest book, uh, which we're going to dive into today, You Are Free, Be Who You Already Are. Are. It's absolutely a gorgeous read. Can't say enough good things about it. And with that being said, Rebecca, thanks so much for joining us.
1: Oh, thanks so much for having me. I'm glad to be here.
0: Absolutely. So, um, for those of our listeners that maybe haven't crossed paths with you before, haven't read your book, seen you speak at conferences, how do you introduce yourself and uh, in your work into the world?
1: Uh, usually I start with I'm a firstborn type A control freak. <laughs> <laughs> recovering recovering recovering. right (laughs) no I mean I'm kind of a self-confessed mess and which is why I think it's just easy to connect with people because we we begin with the story that that God is redeeming Mm -hmm. right it's not our story of struggle it's his story of rescue so the, the more we can decrease, so he can increase, it can show the very nature of who God is from the very beginning, right?
0: That's absolutely, that's a good word. So you've, uh, I, I know, uh, stealing a little bit from your last book that came out, your journey, uh, and you've really been an open book in your books, I don't know a better way to, to say that, and, and vulnerable uh, with your story and navigating your days. What, what led you to write this latest book, You Are Free?
1: Well, the first book, Free Fall to Fly, came out um, a few years ago, and it chronicled my crash and burn in New York, and I had developed panic disorder about four months into my time there, and it lasted for a good year and a half. And in the end of that story, I had a moment in the middle of the night at three in the morning where I just cried out, rescue me, deliver me. I cannot do this without you. And in that moment, my body broke on the bed and, and all was calm. It was still. And so I didn't have language for it then. I would have never called it, you know, healing. Right. I you know, <laughs> I joke sometimes, like, there might be a name for this in Pentecostal circles, but this Baptist girl has no clue what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> so so I just remember, like, tiptoeing out of my apartment the next morning and, like, did it take? What's what's going on? And the thing about being sick is you only see the sickness. You yeah. only look in- inward and see your sickness and your brokenness. But when healing begins and the scales fall, you start to see look out and see everyone else. Yes. And I... Started to find people in my city just like me. I was in Manhattan at the time, and one in four um, adults suffer from anxiety and depression, and 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 I realized that they're like a whole. Ass- huge amount of us, right? And anxiety for me had become my fancy word for fear. And I was like, God, what do you have to say about this? And of course my life first had always been, Hey, Rebecca, I've not given you a spirit of fear. I've given you power, love, and a sound mind. And so then I'm like, okay, then why is it here? And what is this about? And do you see it? Do you care? Are you willing to get in the middle of it? And, and, and not just for me, for everyone, you know, how, how does this play out? How does this healing journey play out? And, and so, um, so this really began this ongoing dialogue with god and and where i just had this sense you know god you want us i sense you want to set a lot of captives free like yeah. you want us all to not live in this place of fear of this place of of defeat or competition and and so I started to write and speak and share. And, um, but I learned even in like the beginning of these calling, this calling, you know, calling is where your talents and burdens collide and talents are what you're born with the birthright gifts that you get in the womb from, from God. And, and the burdens are the things the, like the hard things you've had to walk through in life that have broken your heart. And so I'm learn I learned in that season, season, that, calling is where you're taking the gifts you've been given to redeem the things that make you cry. Hmm. And so, and so I'm starting to live this out and share on, on all these things and still learn, even in the calling that I was starting to compare myself to other writers or speakers. And, you know, when I was home with toddlers, I never entered a diaper, diaper changing competition, but apparently like, (laughs) apparently there is one. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, apparently when I like stepped foot on a stage, all of a sudden I started to, to perform like this need to compete and compare and perform. Yeah. Yeah. And so I learned that while like that first journey was more one of an outer physical, tangible, like healing journey, yeah. what God really wanted for me na- now or next was an inner healing journey, you know, because I think sometimes we treat the symptoms of depression or we treat the symptoms of anxiety or treat the symptoms of whatever it is we're suffering from, but we never go to the root. We yeah. don't know what it's coming from. And God had to show me one day, literally the beginning of the book and free to confess. Um, I, you know, I heard a quote by my friend and she says, those who keep score in life just want to know that they count. I was like, Oh, yeah. that's that's me. Yeah. That's me. And 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 she says, when you when you do what you do for an audience of one, you always know that you count. There's there's a confidence and an assurance. And so God's like, God and I are having this conversation and I just said, Why do I keep score? Why do I want to know that I count? And he's like, Well, you matter to me. Is that enough? And I'm like, um nope. I <laughs> <laughs> <Don't> need <laughs> to more be, To be honest, you know, to be honest, and he can handle it thankfully, but just to go, no, I'm sorry. I don't know why, but but why is this the case? And and so I'm wrestling in this dark hotel room one night, like in California. I just done a panel on mental health and spoke at different colleges, and I'm literally just, literally just so broken in a dark room. <laughs> I'm eating a cheeseburger. Like I had sunk. I mean, hotel you know, food. Yeah, it's just <laughs> like a desperate moment, and I just said, "Would you show me why I want to know so badly that I count?" Hmm. And he showed me that like, even from early on in my life, I've been held at arm's length, you know, come, but not too close, share, but not too much live, but not too free. Like there was always this, um, subconscious rejection, Mm -hmm. like emotional, Mm -hmm. emotional rejection. And God told me, he said, Rebecca, um, no amount of retweets or book sales or positive reviews or cities that you frequent are going to heal a heart that is wounded. And wow. he said, he said public affection can never heal private rejection. Wow. And I was like, okay.
0: That's a good word.
1: <laughs> you know, I just so so that's where I I owned it. I said, yeah. please God, please heal my broken heart. Like every broken part, heal it for good as if the wounding never happened. Like I started getting bold. I was like, I want, I don't want to operate from this crippled place mm-hmm. for the rest of my days. I mm-hmm. want, I, I really trust that you're, you're good on who you say that you are. And so thanks first of all, for showing me this brokenness. And then, and then second of all, I know that you're Jehovah Rapha, which means the God of that heals. So will you heal my broken heart? Hmm. And that, that began a three year journey um, where Jesus continued to show me all the places that that He wanted me to live free.
0: Wow. And I mean, if I'm if I'm reading between the lines and listening to you, it's re- this this internal journey is leaving the world of measurement, right? Um, mm-hmm. leaving the world of scorecards and numeric, yeah. numeric value. You, you wrote at one point, we weren't made to keep up. We were made to be free, to be who we already are. And, and I think what you're doing, and I think so many of us are rediscovering and awakening to the reality that this call, this love, this spirituality isn't about attainment, right? Um, mm-hmm. You can't go get what you already have it's it's just this i really think your book is an awakening people to hey it's not a race you don't have to chase it you got to fall into it you got to surrender into this you have to awaken to this reality that you mm-hmm. are loved and from there live out your days
1: well and what's awesome is galatians is the book on freedom and it's right. written to the church it's not written to those who are even outside the church mm-hmm. it was It was the people who had been readily given the gift of the gospel that that Jesus died and rose again and said, hey, because of this, you are no longer a slave to any sin that leads to death. Like when God looks at you now because of Christ, he sees righteousness because Christ has covered you with his like spotless righteous life. And yet we're still walking in this bondage and slavery. And, and what the biggest lie for me growing up, even in the church was that I had to perform mm-hmm. for love. Mm-hmm. And so God would say, so I, the lie I believed was that I was not worthy of love unless I earned it. And that goes back to being this firstborn achiever. And and while I felt free with Jesus in the secret place, like as a child, you know, we have an active imagination. So as even in a young age, I remember riding my bike at dusk and, you know, my parents would call us in because it's getting dark, but I would linger because I was the rebel. And I remember just feeling even God's nearness in the wind and the trees and in my hair and like... His presence was almost like tangible for me. Um, So I did feel free. That was a moment I asked people, do you remember a moment you felt completely free? And I was always free with God in the secret place. The minute I'd step back into church or school or even peer groups, I would put on the role of performing an achievement to be accepted and known and liked. (laughs) And so I'm, and over time, the, the fear and approval of men and women got louder than that intimacy and union with God.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love how you write. And if, if you don't mind, I'm going to read this part of this book because I highlighted it and just loved it. In um, <clears throat> this one spot, you write, I believe God is looking at his church and he's telling us, You're it. It's on you whom my glory rests. There's no need to seek anyone else's approval. And we look up from our non fat soy chai lattes while we scroll through Instagram, counting the number of hearts on a post, and we say, Who, me? Yes, yes, you. Yes, who raise your voice with your kids, you who are addicted to social media, you who retail your way out of depression, you who question whether or not you have any real friends, you who aren't certain your life really matters. You with insecurity, your brokenness, your anxiety, your desperation, you. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. You are a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. So good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that, I was preaching to the choir yeah, on that one. Yeah, <laughs>
0: I love it. I love it. So good. Um, and, and, and riffs like that are found all throughout the book. And, and again, I mean, this this is a book... To break chains. This is a book to a book to release from heaviness. This is a book um, that that awakens everyone to their d- divine uniqueness, right? And was it mm. was it was it Beekner that said where the yeah. world's great pain and your your gladness well, connect, something like that?
1: Yeah, yeah. That's I talk about that. in free to be called. It's you know it is. It's where the world's hunger and your deep gladness meet and. And what's so great about God, right, is that his creativity is so vast that no two of us look alike. And he put something very specific, a birthright gift in every single one of us that he wants to watch come alive. And I think, you know, Parker Palmer wrote this book called Let Your Life Speak. And he says we all it's one of my favorites, like my top five. And he says we all come into this world with birthright gifts. Yeah. But but early on, we abandon them or others disabuse them. Hmm. Basically saying we we come free. We come into this world free. But early on we cover them, we start to perform, we start to achieve. But but Parker finishes by saying, But if we are aware, awake, and able to admit our loss, like it starts with just the confession that yeah. we have a broken broken heart. He goes, We'll spend the the rest of our lives recovering the gifts we've always possessed. And that's my heart. That's my hope for the reader. that They would waken to who they already are and they would feel permission. And it's not going to come without confession or grieving or lament because part of it is we are all operating from a broken heart. Mm -hmm. We just don't know. We've buried it, pain. We kind of want to move on. And so the need to achieve and succeed is really just covering um, a wound that we're trying to compensate for. Yeah.
0: You know, I, I love when you wrote, because um, I understood this This connected some dots for me in my own journey. Uh, and you mentioned it just a minute ago, but you said, when I was sick, I only looked inward. Through healing, I started seeing everyone else. And would you say that part of this awakening, part of this journey, um, once you start getting healed from these fears uh, and these things that you do to try to heal some of these wounds— that it really does lead to greater human connection and solidarity?
1: Absolutely. Pain always births purpose. Mm. It's just that are we going to stay the pain or are we going to see beyond it? You know, it's like Winston Churchill says, if you're in hell, keep walking. Eventually the darkness will lift. There's this idea even in, in, um, in Psalms where he says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will feel fear no evil for you are with me. Why? Because I'm walking through the valley yeah. of this. Shelter. I'm not camping out. I'm not making it my home, my permanent residence from here to the rest of my days. I'm walking through something, um, and James talks about this a lot in James one. He says, "Count it joy when you face trial." And we read that, and we're like, "Why? This is this stinks. Like right. I don't." I don't want to struggle with this stuff. Um, and he says, why? Because it makes you perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. It basically is a way of continually building your faith so that you can be a prayer warrior, or a faith warrior for those around you who are walking through the same thing.
0: Yeah. And so once you see, you can't unsee.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Man, that's good. You know, um, I think if everyone can can start doing the work. Right. And it's not fun work. Um, but it eventually, once this healing happens, uh, it gets to be a gift, right? Um, you've taken, you've taken some dark days and you've turned it into a wonderfully, uh, shining light up on a hill.
1: Well, and you think about it, it's really just getting permission to grieve, right? Permission to wait, permission Uh, to, yes, to be weak you know we are so we're the hardest on ourselves <laughs> permission I jesus, to
0: be weak yes yeah that's it i
1: think jesus is literally saving us from ourselves because he's saying you're free to grieve you're free to be weak you're free to wait you're free to rest how many of us want to rest no mm-hmm. we want to run we want to run fast and hard we want to perform and achieve and he's like how many of us how many of you could use a soul rest yeah <laughs> yeah. We're like, oh wait, we can like we could actually do that and not feel guilty about it, or feel lazy, or yeah. or, or feel less than. And so part of some of the the chapters in the book that people really love the most that I keep hearing are those ones that are more weakness, grief, um, rest, wait, begin again, free to begin again means Mm -hmm. like God is the God of second chances. God is the God that redeems what has been stolen and he brings it back to life. You know, we all have this narrative in life, which, which mirrors Christ. It's, it's life, death and resurrection. And I think what happens is a lot of people in the church are caught in the death, like the death of a dream, the death of a loss of a friendship, a relationship, a marriage, um, the death of even our sanity. <laughs> right. When we start to, like have mental illness or even physical illness, um, we lose jobs, we lose purpose. And so we're caught in this death. We're caught in this place of death. And we start to define ourselves by our death and take on the identity of what is death. And And yet Christ is saying, because of me, You can live in the resurrection, which means he says, because of me, I've set you free from the power of sin that leads to death. Like his story never ended with death. Mm -hmm. And our story doesn't end with death. And so it's just being able to invite him into the pain or the loss of something and saying, Show me the way out. Like show show me the way home. (laughs) You know? And that's part of it. I think it's just we have to be willing to invite him in. Like if we're not, if we're trying to do it on our own and even making it work, like we can never free ourselves. We were never meant to. So it's more going like, will you show me the way out? Right. And he's great to do that.
0: So so then how necessary is surrender and letting go to, to living out this freedom you're calling us to?
1: Well, I think the surrender comes when you realize everything you've done up to this point, no matter how many practices you put in place and rhythms and health habits and where, you, when you still lay your head on your pillow and you feel lost and defeated and insecure and depressed, then there, then dis, that's when despair begins to settle in, hmm. um, and i think despair is like the gateway to surrender which is the gateway to freedom so you know you think about like when life transformation really happens in epic movies it's when the protagonist has lost all hope mm-hmm. and they've surrendered their own will to something outside themselves something greater that that got and then there's a vulnerability that they show and they open themselves up to the supernatural or something beyond something they could even fathom. And that's when God begins to work because we, we can't, he's a gentleman. He doesn't force himself on us. We, we have to be the ones that say, apart from you, I really can do nothing. So I invite you in to show me what this looks like.
0: So despair is the gateway to surrender, which is the gateway to freedom.
1: Yeah, if we're willing, you know, I mean, you look at how many people get caught in the lie of despair. Despair says you'll never actually change. And that's what the enemy wants us all to know. Satan, you know, like whatever you want to call the bad guy. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so so and that will lead to destructive behavior. And we see it rampant in our culture. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we label ourselves by all the things that are wrong with us, our brokenness, and we give ourselves all these diagnoses and all these titles, and we literally take on them as our identity. And so I write about it in the book, like God doesn't look at us and, and name us by our brokenness. He always names us by our wholeness, which is we're sons and daughters of a king. Like he's adopted us He's made, he calls us his own. He, in fact, he calls us co-heirs with Christ, which doesn't even make sense because we got Jesus and then you got Rebecca and there's no (laughs) rhyme or, there's no rhyme or reason why God should see Rebecca as righteous as Jesus, but because of Jesus, he does. And so, so, so when I say, no, I'm, I'm depressed, I'm anxious. I've got this diagnosis and this, look at me, this is who I am and then all we're doing is giving the enemy more power and more you know like we're just kind of pu- like digging our own grave literally by saying i am only defined by what is wrong versus those might be things coming against me but that doesn't define who i actually am yeah. who i am is this redeemed person and so then god will give me the strength to 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 persevere and overcome the things that that are trying to, to attack and bring me down.
0: And, you know, the second half of this title of this book is be who you already are. Like, I think there's every New York times bestseller is five points to this, six steps to that seven ways to whatever in this book, you're saying, wake up, enjoy it's here. It's now it's among you. You don't, uh, this is about, this is about being, this isn't about doing
1: it's so it's so hard for us, right? As America, yeah. like just first world achieving capitalists, like yeah. we think that like we have to do something, and that's why Paul's getting so loud about this in Galatians. He's like, stop running back to your bondage he's basically yelling at the church in Galatia saying you accepted this free gift and I he's like and he's Jewish or Hebrew and he's like he's like I've become like you Gentiles because you accepted this freely given to you and now you're trying to add all these burdensome religious practices mm. back on yeah. and he's like, why? he's like why do you want to become slaves again and so that's what he's saying to the church he, he's like why do we the church want to become slaves again um because revelation 12 11 says this it says the enemy is bound meaning withheld from the power and reign in our lives by two things the first is christ's blood and the second is our testimony and i think jesus looks at the church today and says i did my part are you going to like hang on to these metaphorical jail cell bars. Yeah. There's, there's no door, there's no lock, there's no key, but you're you're so afraid to step out because you're afraid that you'll flatline or fail or like you'll no longer be a victim. And, mm-hmm. and, and so it's partly saying, are we willing to just take a risk and say like who we already are because of Christ is enough?
0: Yeah, yeah. C.S. Lewis: The gates of heaven or uh, gates of hell are locked from the inside. You know. Not crazy. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So I assume we can find this book everywhere. Uh, great books are bought and sold.
1: Yep. Yep. Deals on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and bookstores. You name it. So. Be-
0: beautiful. So before we go, a couple questions. Um, what's currently keeping you curious? Any any new books, authors, ideas, causes?
1: Oh, that's such a great question. Um, I I kind of jump around with books. I love books by dead people. Oh, um, let's
0: go. I hear you. You <laughs> know, I
1: think they just cut through the noise of today. And I think if we want to be writers or have voices in today's world, we have to be reading books that are old. Yeah. Because it just all gets muddy and yeah. lost. And, and not, there's nothing new under the sun. So it's more about like, I'm just finding kind of even in my faith, kind of just the saints, like reading some of the, you know, I'm reading like the private journals of mother Teresa right yes. now, which yeah. I hope she's, I hope she's okay with that. Cause it's on Amazon, <laughs> but <laughs> like just her, even the way she would engage Jesus, like in the slums of Calcutta and how close and intimate their union was is so inspiring to me yeah. uh, when she talked about walking the way of darkness, um, I don't always read heavy stuff like that, to be fair. You know, I like, I like SNL like everyone else. I like, you know, even like current events, I'm really fascinated by just what's going on in the world right now among women. Um, um, I'm a champion for women finding their voice and not waiting for someone more trained, more astute, more eloquent to speak, especially in the church, but to, to begin to the, to speak to what God is doing right now in yeah. the here and now. Cause I think, um, I'm, you know, I'm just a fan for just watching kind of this decentralization of gatekeepers of voices yeah. to more of just a collective. Um, and, but there still needs to be maturity with that. I think sometimes we want to spout off and we naturally haven't given it more than three seconds of thought. Right. Part of that goes with just reading a lot more and, um, having conversations with people who think differently and seeking to understand. Um, so I'm a big fan of that.
0: Awesome. What, uh, what advice would you give to your younger self?
1: Uh, I would tell Rebecca as a college freshman, I carried a lot of shame through my teens, a lot of shame covered in condemnation, like almost self-loathing because if I messed up, um, or sinned, I felt very condemned Mm -hmm. and, um, and that I would almost need to pay penance and and like live a life worthy of this call or whatever. And I think, you know, God has made it clear to me. He's like, Rebecca, what if your purpose is for me to love you? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And as an adult, that's like real humbling because here I have like gone through 20 years of my adult life, trying to be worthy of that. Mm -hmm. And and, and to just, I was so it. Hard, yeah, just, I was so hard on myself and, and I just, you know, would tell my daughter now who's 12 and my sons who are 14 and 16, like there's nothing you can do that can push God away. Nothing, like no matter how bad you think it is, it will not push him away. And there's nothing you can do that could make him love you more than he, than he already does. So, so rest in that. And settle in it. Don't work so hard in life. You just don't have to work so hard in life. Like he's kind of already gone before you, and he's laid the path out. You know, he commands our destiny from the womb. It says in Psalm um, 139 that all our days are ordained and written in, in his book before one of them even begins. And so it's almost just like settle in it. Like settle in life. Live from a whole heart. Um, give and receive love freely. And you you'll just it'll be a little less stressful than the one that I've walked through let's not
0: make it so difficult yeah yeah that's a good word so um the new book's out you are free be who you already are um where can we send our listeners to follow you and your work
1: it's just my website is my name it's spelled a little different it's Rebecca r-e-b-e-k-a-h-l-y-o-n-s
0: awesome we can also follow you follow you on instagram facebook and twitter
1: yep all at rebecca lyons yep
0: beautiful uh well rebecca on on behalf of all of us um thank you for your good and necessary work thank you for uh being a redemptive presence in our world it's what we need and um i sure hope someday uh our paths can cross again
1: I do too. That'd be fun. Beautiful.
0: Thanks. Beautiful. Thanks. We'll keep doing what you're doing and uh, we hope to get you on the show again sometime.
1: Thank you so much. Have a great day. Okay,
0: Rebecca, we'll talk soon. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed that episode. Make sure you go to rebeccalions.com, Purchase this latest book of hers. You are free. Be who you already are. It's a beautiful read. It reads very quickly. And I know that it will bring a lot of light and a lot of brightness into your world. And as you approach this week, may you pause by the orchid, listen to the bluebird sing, and be love. Today's episode is brought to us by Holsti. Holsti explores what it means to live a life of intention and reflection through art, words, and action. Through their monthly subscription, Holsti examines themes inspired by the science of mindfulness, positive psychology, and ancient philosophy. Each month, subscribers receive letterpress prints illustrated by emerging artists, along with action lists and digital toolkits, encouraging further exploration and reflection. Holstie's journey began in 2009 with the viral popularity of their company manifesto, a call to arms around how their founders define success. They couldn't have imagined how much these words would resonate around the world. The Holsti Manifesto was called the next Just Do It by the Washington Post. It's been translated into 13 languages and has received an estimated 100 million social media views. With the encouragement of their global community, they developed the monthly Holsti subscription to help people put the words of the manifesto into action. Be sure to go to holsty.com/slash ashton and use the checkout code Ashton A-S-H-T-O-N to get your first months free of the Holstey subscription. Hey guys, before we go, I wanted to let you know about another event I'm going to be hosting. It's going to be Friday, June the 16th, and Saturday, June the 17th at my home in Waco, Texas. It's going to be a two-day gathering where we connect come together, uh, and we work and walk through the Enneagram uh, and the discovery of ourselves through the lens of the Enneagram. I've teamed up with a friend of mine, Chris Hewitz, from the Gravity Center in Omaha, Nebraska. Chris is one of the most well-known voices in the Enneagram space in America, and uh, I'm super excited uh, to bring him to Texas and just have a gathering at my house for the weekend. It's going to be small. We're limiting it to 20 people. Uh, We don't even have information about this up on our website yet but you can go to ashtonsgastropsn.com click the little envelope in the upper right hand corner that will get you contacted with me and uh, I'd be glad to answer any questions you have it's going to be a time of beauty reflection discovery we're bringing in a chef from Nashville i mean we're just we're just getting it it's going to it's going to be great so anyway thought I'd share it with you hope you can make it